Welcome back to What a Hit Son. We're back today um, with another guest to look back, obviously, on Saturday's games uh, from this week. Um, obviously, there's a few games ahead today, and obviously, there's a Monday night football game. But obviously, to start this episode, we need a guest. So, returning after uh, a while uh, of a hiatus from the podcast, we've got Jimmy. Welcome back, Jimmy. Great to have you back on. Yeah, great to be back on again. Yeah, like you said, it's. Um... Been a while, so plenty to say. <laughs> a little bit bad, unfortunately, but yeah, it's, it's good to be back on. So thank you. No, no, no problem. Thanks for coming back on. Um, I suppose obviously we, we will start with the, obviously the main main topic for you is obviously West Ham. Obviously, um, another loss yesterday against Nottingham Forest. Obviously, Calvin Phillips, who you've signed on loan as well, um, getting the sending off, and then obviously last week as well. Um, Poor, poor results for you, obviously against Arsenal. But um, what's it kind of been as a, as a fan, kind of from where you were before, obviously the the Christmas period up until kind of the New Year. Seems to your form seems to have kind of dipped since. Yeah, so um, I would say the form, the results have dipped, not necessarily the form, because I feel like form wise yeah. we have been shocking all season. Um, yeah, we're getting, we're picking up results, um, and we were sitting in at the end of December. We were um, sitting on in sick for thirty three points, um, and now we're sitting um, eighth, and we've only got thirty six points. So, mm. turn of twenty twenty four, we've literally picked up three points, three draws, uh, knocked out the cup to a championship side. Couldn't couldn't beat them over two legs. Well, a replay. Um, and it's just been awful since 2024. But even running up before that, as the beginning of the season, yeah, we were sitting in sixth, and it it looked good, but the performances were awful. And it was just, it was, it was this this was coming, yeah. this was coming, and the performance against Arsenal last week was that's been in the making for months as well. We we got a warning when we lost five nil away at Fulham, um, but then last week it, it was just atrocious against Arsenal, to be honest. Um, yeah, so since the turn of the year, it's just been dire for West Ham. Yeah, no, it's like I remember I texted you the minute uh, last week, and I mentioned this obviously on the previous podcast. Like that, like I felt really bad for you because I know kind of you've got such a a nice squad of players. Like you've got obviously Kudos, who, who in my opinion is one of the best signings this year. Like he seems to have Sean obviously just back from Afcon as well, and I think Bowen as well has been kind of one of your another one of your star players but kind of i think last week especially from watch watching the game like it just felt like they had no supply of football it just didn't seem to to click so what what do you think kind of has changed maybe to the point like that this form has completely kind of dipped kind of recently um even more to be honest, I don't. I don't think loads has actually changed because yeah. it, go, it goes all the way back to um, January twenty twenty two. Actually, yeah, um, we were sitting in fifth January the first, uh, a point off of like a Champions League qualification, and then th- from January the first, then in twenty twenty two, we uh, picked up for the next eighteen games. We only picked up um, twenty two points. Yeah, um, finishing and we finished seventh. We got we scraped by into the Conference League. But the performances were again awful, and um, we had a yeah. So then we went into the next season, and obviously last season was atrocious. We had a 29 percent win rate. We won the Conference League, um, mm-hmm. but to be honest, looking at the teams that we played, it would have been a failure if we hadn't won the champ uh, the Conference League. It was yeah. great that we did it, but I think I could have uh, taken West Ham to win that that year. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. and then this year it's just been the same old story, but. I think we just we've been we've been found out. We haven't got a, we've got a plan A, which is to sit behind the ball, give up possession. Like our possession stats over the last three years, uh, Jan, like twenty twenty two, the possession yeah. stats were forty eight percent, like forty two percent. Sorry, and then it's just it's now forty one percent now. And like you say, we've got players like Kudos. We've got Bowen against you lot last week was so isolated; it was ridiculous. And then yeah. you got Paquetta as well. I know he's injured at the moment, but he's one technically he's so gifted and he's such a great player. But he's ask, asking him to do defensive jobs and hit teams on the counter attack, and it's just 
it doesn't suit our style of play, our players that we have. And yeah, Moyes is just hasn't got a plan B. So Yeah. I suppose then kind of that's probably my next question is obviously do you think it's time for West Ham to obviously make that change and do you think they will or kind of will they hold off and maybe until the summer or that and and bring someone in really? Listen, I thought it was time for Moyes to go last summer. Yeah, we won the yeah. Conference League, but again, we'd had two years of, well, 18 months of rubbish football. Yeah. Um, and playing in Europe, we walked to the semi-finals Europa League, was papering over the cracks of the poor second half of the, that season. And then last mm. season was poor performances in the league, finishing 15th, uh, lack of possession, lack of... Um, any excitement from the team, but we won the Conference League, so it papered over those cracks again. Um, so I said last season, end of last season, he had to go. He still, for me, has to go um, yeah. because he's just getting worse. Do I think the board will sack him? Um, I don't. I, I'm, I'm debating. I don't know because I think if they are going to sack him, or be if we get knocked out of the Europa League next round. Yeah, but if they don't, but at the same time, his contract's up at the end of the season, so they're probably just sitting there going, "Well, what's what's the point?" Because if we get knocked out, our season's over anyway. Then because we're not going to get Europe through the league this year, not the performances we're playing anyway. And by then, it'll be too late to even push for Europa, Europa League place. So, yeah, yeah, and I suppose then, kind of the other question I have on, on from that is obviously, say say tomorrow at West Ham announced obviously David Moyes has been been sacked. Who? Mm-hmm. Who would you bring in? Who's your ideal person to um, to come in and, and replace him and maybe bring the club forward? Yeah, so I, if it was tomorrow, if I had to choose a manager tomorrow, a manager that's available, it would be Graham Potter for me. Yeah. Um, he would be my choice if it's tomorrow. If it comes to the end of the season, my number one candidate, which is unrealistic, he's got, he'll end up elsewhere as Alonso. And I think that would be pretty much any team's choice would be Alonso. Yeah. He'll probably end up at Liverpool or Real Madrid. Um, yeah. Or if not him, then it, I would go down the route of maybe Amarim at, at Sporting Lisbon or maybe Nagelsmann. I think that's how you say it. Julius Nagelsmann. He's, yeah, one, yeah. he's a German manager at the moment, but his contract's up in the summer. So if he doesn't do too good, I'll take him. Yeah, um, Nagelsmann's there, a good shout. would be my shouts. And Tuchel, apparently, he's been kind of slightly linked with West Ham as well now, which he would be a good appointment, but I don't know if he'd be an exciting manager to for West Ham and the type of player which we have because he likes to be quite defensive as well so yeah yeah I, I do agree with you I think there, there's um, there, when it comes summer you're you're looking at there's a nice core of managers that could be available for a lot of clubs obviously like we're seeing obviously that some of the managers Pep could be going as well Klopp Klopp has gone obviously in the summer you've got yeah seems like there's going to be a lot of managerial availability in the market so we might see a lot of managerial movement comes mm-hmm. summer now in, in the Premier League and kind of across Europe just because obviously there obviously Alonso's been linked with pretty much every club now across which he Europe. should be which he should, which he should be. be yeah <laughs> when you're looking at at this ridiculous record that they've literally tied Bayern Munich's record of most games unbeaten um and being unbeaten in all competitions it's it's ridiculous like the see side They've scored 90 goals in all competitions already. Yeah. I think their right-back, Fringpom, I see it yesterday, he's got nine goals and 10 assists or something from right-back. It's ridiculous. I know. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's mad to think that like Harry Kane has gone to Bayern Munich <laughs> and is probably going to go on, still go on a uh, trophy-less run now with them. <laughs> nah, he's taken Spurs with him, which <laughs> yeah. I'm happy about. <laughs> um, I suppose then kind of, is that when you look at obviously West Ham of um apart from obviously the managerial stuff, is there anything that needs to change, say player wise in the team? Is there anything that you kind of need looking at um mm. acro- across the board? Yeah, uh, I, we need definitely two centre offs. Um yeah. Zuma's knees have gone. The, like you, I, when I go to the games, he's, he walks with a limp, he jogs with a limp, and he can't. His legs are gone. He can't run. Yeah. He looks like he's running on quicksand, which is a shame because he's a solid centre-half. But when you can't turn and you can't run in the Premier League, you, you're getting found out yeah. straight away. And um, Nathan Gwerd, he has all the attributes that he could be a world-class centre-half. He's quick, he's good on the ball, 
Um, he can win a tackle, but he's just he's so inconsistent, and he's got three or four mistakes in him a game. So yeah, he he will, he just cost us too much as well. And then we've got Mavropanos, which again a couple of mistakes he's had in him, but he hasn't had a fair shot at it yet at West Ham. Um, mm. So centre half definitely is where we need to strengthen, and we need a striker. We we need a number nine, and I know there's not many out there, but we're relying on Antonio, who's 34 always got an injury in him or we're putting our best right winger as a striker in Bowen. Yeah. So. And and Will Antonio as well, he, he he wants to spend more time doing podcasting or punditry oh. really than actually playing for his yeah. club. We're on a podcast, not knocking you go to the podcast, but when you're Mickey Antonio and you're sitting there with Callum Wilson doing a podcast and you're laughing about the lack of goals you've got or the the result where Newcastle just beat West Ham and you're sitting there laughing, it's not it's not right. And you no. should no. But how the club are allowing him to even be on it is a ridiculous. Like it's just stupid. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do agree with that. Like, I, it, they should be more focused on the, on their careers, like, um, rather than obviously doing this podcast, podcast yeah. and stuff. Like when they're involved with a club. Um, well, look, I I think kind of from from my side looking in at it, I do think it is time for a managerial change. I think for you, I think when I watched you last week. Um, compared to the, obviously the previous games, um, I was surprised with the performance. I didn't expect it. I like I, I said it b- before, kind of during the week on kind of Arsenal fan TV and that that I thought it would be a very tight game, um, just because obviously you beaten us obviously in the two previous games you had against us. But I can see why you lost last week. Just mm-hmm. in regards, obviously Paqueta was a big loss. Is a big loss in that in that team for you because he's such a, a key part to obviously creativity, especially for you. Um, but Moyes plays such a, a negative style of football that I, I just don't see that as a style of football West Ham should be playing. Like they've got yeah. the talent there to play a more productive style of football and creative style of football. But I, I'm seeing kind of a lot of teams in the league like to play this whole against the bigger sides, like sitting back and just hitting on the counter which it's such it's such a negative negative style of football and I don't like it it just ruins mm-hmm. ruins a match nearly to watch it <laughs> no listen I can un- I can understand I personally can understand why we against you lot we would sit yeah. back try and soak up that pressure and hit on the counter attack but we didn't hit on the counter attack at all yeah because we'd get the ball and it would go into James Ward Prowse or it would go into Alvarez and it would just go sideways because we were too afraid to go forwards. Yeah. And that's got to come from the manager. Yeah. That's got to come from the manager to not be too expansive going forwards. And we just didn't hit on the counter-attack. And on the way down there, I was confident. I thought, do you know what? We're normally quite decent at home against the big teams. We could, we could pick up a 2-1 win. And then by the, I'm standing there in the 90th minute, not just laughing with my mates because it's 6-0 down. And what, what can you do? No. Um, it was by far the worst performance I've seen at, for a very long time with West Ham um, and, and it, it went into yesterday as well though yesterday was just as bad yeah and I suppose kind of the other question I have is what's the atmosphere like across the fans kind of at, kind of currently at the moment like when you're in the stadium like obviously I could see oh, there was obviously last week when Arsenal went 4-0 up there was fans leaving the stadium and that like what was kind of from, from, from what you were witnessing kind of what's the kind of feeling around the fans currently is it kind of they all kind of just want a change of manager or is it just they're fed up of certain style of football you're playing and um it's a mixed bunch you know so there's a lot of fans that want Moyes gone they wanted Moyes gone for a very long time and then you've got the Moyes in brigade who want Moyes to stay and yeah. if, if you still go on West Ham Twitter, it's, it's toxic sometimes. They just argue with each other all the time. Um, he should stay. He's got to stay. He's got to go. But he's our best manager we've ever had and all this sort of stuff. And then, But then you've got the awful football and Dross that um, we, we see week in, week out now. So yeah. I'd say the atmosphere is a mixed bunch, but a lot is now going a lot further to Moyes out and everyone's fed up of the rubbish and his press conferences where he's digging at the fans and saying, but we need to remember that this is probably our most successful period. And, oh, well, I'm a winner. We won, we won the conference league. It's a year ago now, nearly. Yeah. Like, 
you can't keep living in the past. If we keep living in the past, then we'll talk about West Ham winning the FA Cup final in 1980. Like, that was the yeah. last time we won the FA Cup final. And we don't yeah. talk about it, like, every day, do we? Okay, yeah, we yeah. celebrate that success, but we've got to look at it here and now. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. It's the same, it's the same with, 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 with Arsenal fans and talking about this invincible trophy. Like, it's all well and good having that memory of winning the invincible trophy, but... To me, I want to be winning trophies now rather than yeah. winning winning trophies like literally and and then remembering the trophies like no one's going to talk about a trophy that you won say twenty years ago or or Spurs fans they win the the Carabao Cup and that's the only trophy they've won <laughs> since unless you count the the Audi Cup and whatever other cup. They've won. Well, that's it. That's it. You don't. You obviously, you, as a fan, you'll sit there and you will reminisce about the good times and you rem- reminisce about win- winning certain trophies. Yeah. It's not Prague was the best day of my life, and I, I I will talk to my mates about it now. We talk about when we go West Ham. We talk about it all the time. But yeah, again, you can't live in the past. You've got to yeah. look at the here and now and look to the future. And what are we going to progress? And where are we where are we going to progress? Progress sorry, and where are we going with this team? Yeah, and Moyes definitely isn't the progression. And yeah. and then I suppose the, the the question on from that is, what's the expectations of of fans now? Like obviously you've won the Conference League. Is the the next thing step for you just to be consistently in Europe and 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 challenging for Europe every season now? Kind of is that what you're expecting from the club now? Kind of going forward, just because you've had the European success and obviously you've gotten so far in com- previous competitions as well. Yeah, I think the expectation of West Ham fans is to be in Europe now. Um, yeah. It's definitely it's definitely to play good football and get into Europe. Okay, if if we were playing the football we're playing now, but we were getting results, yeah, you can you can accept it. But we're not getting results, and the style of football that we have, when the results don't come your way, it is going to get you are going to look at it negatively quicker than you are if you're playing expansive football. Yeah, but um, yeah. yeah, I would say that. Expectation-wise for West Ham and the fans is we, to be in Europe now. We we are the a top eight team. Essentially, yeah. we are a top eight team. If not, could be pushing for the top six because we're looking around Man United. They're not all that. Um, Tottenham aren't all that. They like if we look at West Ham and Tottenham squads, we're probably on par. If, if Tottenham are a little bit better, but you've got mm. the, a top top manager there. So yeah. I think. Yeah, looking at the top top eight, top seven though gets you Europe, which we should be aiming for. Now, if you can finish fifth, you get in Champions League possibly through the coefficients. So, yeah. why shouldn't we be aiming for Europa League, Conference League at, at a minimum? And why should, as fans, should we be going? Well, remember your place. You're only West Ham. No, we that's where we should be. Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree with you, and I do think. My expectation, looking at kind of some of the teams that are in there, West Ham would be one of the ones I'd be considering to to be fighting probably for European spots, just because of obviously, especially previous years, kind of where they finished in the league and kind of obviously the success of Prague last year as well um, with the Conference League was was definitely something that I thought would kick you on. Um, I do think obviously Moyes kind of is is. Um, a big obviously question mark in there and, and in my opinion I, I do think he needs to go I suppose then kind of looking at some of the other sides that are in the table as you mentioned obviously West Ham in in eighth at the moment and you kind of look at some of the teams that are around you so you've obviously got Chelsea who are just behind you somehow even though they've had such a, a shock a shocking season really yeah um, obviously uh Brighton there as well Newcastle um obviously and as you mentioned United and Spurs above you as well um What's kind of been your opinion on kind of that area of the table? Because there seems to be a lot of teams that have been hot and cold. Like one of the perfect kind of standouts, I suppose, is obviously Newcastle from going from a team that broke into the top four to this season, having pretty much the same amount of wins and draws nearly with 11 wins and um, 10 losses, four draws. It it, it seems to be very different for them this season obviously they drew 2-2 with uh, Bournemouth last season who kind of seem to be that team that are going to easily stay up in the Premier League again yeah I, I think it's about consistency isn't it really do you know like 
Newcastle, if you, again, you look, they've got 11 wins, 10, 10 losses. So they're obviously massively inconsistent. Um, and I think that they could, that they, they, they will be there or thereabouts as well in the, in the top seven. You've got Brighton. Brighton are a solid, very solid team. Um, but are they much better than West Ham or Newcastle? On paper, they're probably nowhere, not nowhere near it, but they've, they, they've got a clear identity. So they've got that identity and they just need to get that more consistency as well. I think there's just a massive, massive inconsistency in, with the teams from like sixth to, well, Chelsea now 10th, where they pick up a couple of good results and they're, they're looking good again and they're going to maybe finish in Europa, Europa League spot or maybe finish in fifth, in fifth spot, but then they'll lose two, three games or draw three in a row and then they're dropping down again because it is so tight. So, yeah, um, yeah, it could go anywhere at the moment this season. Yeah, uh, and I suppose then kind of the other the other question I had from that kind of looking at obviously kind of some of the games, obviously you have Chelsea, obviously you were obviously a big name in there. I think they've spent spent it's mentioned all the time now on on podcasts. They've spent a billion now since, since obviously Todd Bowley's come in, and obviously they got a good good results um, against Man City again. Another draw. Um, I think they're they're still uh, up until Liverpool. They were unbeaten against the the big six sides. Um, uh, they're in a final next week in the the Carabao Cup, which I don't think anyone expected them to get all the way to the final. Um, what is Chelsea so su- suffering from? Is it they're overspending in young talent and not bringing in experience, and then having kind of players maybe towards the latter stages of their career, like like Thiago Silva, maybe who's not as good as he, as he used to be in there, or is it just maybe Pochettino's not being able to manage those players the way that he should be? Um, I think the club is just in disarray at the moment. It's all over the place. You've got Bowley yeah. who's come in. He doesn't really understand football for the first, first of all. And then he's spending like like it's Monopoly money. And as you say, it's on loads of young talent, which is, yeah, you need your young talent in, in there. But yeah. then they, you, again, they've got no experience, no experience that know how to dig deep and pull a team through when they're struggling. And then you've got no like um, identity. I don't actually know how Chelsea are trying to play football. And that, that comes down to Pochettino. But again, are those signings Pochettino signings or are they Bowley's? Because that was Potter's downfall, that Bowley signed all the players and, yeah, Potter didn't want them, and then if you look over years gone by with Chelsea, they had solid lead, like lead, like you had JT, like you couldn't get a better leader than JT, and then you had Lampard yeah. who lead the team. If not now, they've got Reese James, who's not captain material, and yeah. Conor Gallagher who's wore the um, armband this year, and he's not much of a lead leader either. So I just think they're lacking leaders, and that will be because of the young squad. Um, they're definitely overspending on players. I can't see how they how they're actually trying to play, and Bowley just needs to like take it back a bit and let Pochettino actually do what he wants to do because there's no denying that Pochettino is a top manager in the Premier League. He's done it with Southampton, yeah. he's done it with Tottenham. He's, he's made them far better teams. I know Southampton are now where they are, but um, there's no denying his his ability as a manager for me. Yeah, I do agree. Like I've said it in in previous episodes, I think that the biggest issue for Chelsea is kind of at the kind of like director of football and and kind of like the the internal kind of kind of where it, the issue lies because when you look at what who they're signing like they they've signed Mudrick and they spent <laughs> 80 odd million on him and in my opinion he's been one of the the biggest flops in Premier League history I thought he was even there, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so happy Arsenal didn't sign him because honestly, if if we had signed him, like at the time, Arsenal fans were fuming. <laughs> yeah, we were fuming because he was he was twer- he was twerking for Arsenal on Twitter and everything and Instagram, yeah. <laughs> and and we 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 were excited. But I think once once the the amounts that were being quoted, it was kind of putting me off, and I was like, I I would not spend eighty odd on a player who's literally not made as many appearances in in his own yeah, I, I don't think he'd even completed the full season had he no no he, I think he only played half a season played yeah, some Champions League football and and, and kind of was performing well and 
first thing that put me on when when I saw seeing the the price, I was like, no, no, yeah. I'd rather spend it. And obviously, we, Arsenal signed other players as alternatives. But I think for Chelsea, the the biggest issue obviously is this overspending on players. And I think now when they go in for a player. Everyone's aware. Oh, this is Chelsea. They have huge money available, so everything's nearly double or triple the price um, yeah. for them. And obviously now, finan- um, financial issues may come into it. Like there, I was reading a story it was a, a few weeks ago that um, during the January transfer window that Chelsea now, when it comes to the summer, potentially it have to raise about a hundred million before. June thirtieth, um, to uh, to uh, in order to fall under the, um, the regulations uh, and not get uh, points deduction potentially. Yeah. Um. Well, th- I think they've been quite clever though, haven't they? Because they've they've done their contracts over like seven eight years, which yeah is unheard of in football. So they could then spread those monthly instalment payments out and things. But um, yeah, hopefully they do get points deducted. That'd be quite nice. <laughs> I suppose then the, the the other question I have from that is obviously now we're we're seeing obviously the deductions with potentially obviously Everton have been deducted points. You've got rumours now that Everton could be deducted an additional amount of points because they apparently broke fell out of the the January kind of financials and Nottingham Forest as well potentially could be deducted points, which could benefit sides like Sheffield United, and Burnley, and Luton obviously who are trying to uh, avoid relegation. Yeah. Um, what's kind of your opinion on this financial situation, and do you think there might maybe a rule change down the line, maybe because a lot of teams potentially could be um, falling into obviously this this financial issue, and obviously when you look at January, the, the transfer window, it was the quietest window I've ever seen. Like the biggest news on transfer deadline day was. Lewis Hamilton switching to Ferrari. Oh, yeah, I see that. Financial fair play is all a bit confusing to me anyway, and I think it does benefit the bigger teams, the the teams that can bring in more revenue, and I feel like it was meant to try and even out the playing field, but I don't think it... I think he's actually made the playing field more uh, accessible for winning things if you're the the bigger teams who have all that money in the first place. Yeah. Um, but, so I don't know if the rules will change, but I know that um, teams are panicking and worried now because, but that's because they're worried that they might get caught and get those points deducted. Because yeah, ten points isn't a lot. Everton have made it up. I know they're still sitting in the relegation zone, but it's it, it's still four games that you've got to make up over a season. Which for teams like Everton or maybe Nottingham Forest, that's a lot of points that they've got to find. Yeah. So, that's that would be why they're obviously not buying players and things, and that's why the season's gone. Uh, January transfer window is quiet, um, and I know I know West Ham were panicking about it a little bit, but I also do think that some owners will hide behind it, use it as a little reason why they don't have to spend as much money as well, possibly. Um, but yeah, if teams are being caught breaching it, then they've got to be deducted points or whatever the consequence is for that. If you look at Man City, they've got over 100 breaches, apparently. Well, if yeah. Everton have only got one and they've been deducted 10 points, then what? what's Man City's consequence going to be? It's got to be many, well, 10 times as worse. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so. like, well, that, that that's it. I think kind of there needs to be a, a book literally kind of drawn up here of what 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 is the, the, the punishment. Like, yeah. like for Man City, easily what you could say is, at least two or three relegations if mm-hmm. would probably be something that literally tells other clubs in the league is like this is wrong this is completely wrong and this is the punishment for the consequence yeah. like obviously you know perfect example people said obviously in Italy they had obviously um, Juventus for the um, betting uh, and that yeah. games and that they were they were relegated well, um, that happened to Rangers as well didn't it they got relegated to the bottom yeah. league so. yeah so it there needs to be something drawn across the board that literally says, "Look, this is wrong. This is what this is the situation mm-hmm. here. Uh, if you do this, this this is the consequence." And I think it will basically draw up and across the board borderline, um, so that clubs don't follow. Because yeah. if say Man City, when it comes around, and Man City literally get a slap on the wrist, 
other clubs will literally turn and say, well, if Man City are doing this and they get a slap in the wrist, why why shouldn't we do it? Well, that's it. Um, to be fair, I never had thought about it in the rule changes in that sense where they draw up, oh, you've broke this many rules or this rule been broken, this is the, the punishment, the consequence for that. And you're right, if, if Man City gets slapped on the wrist, if I'm Everton, I'm going, well, where's, I want some money back then or I want I want some points back or whatever because that's not fair. Yeah. And it, it's good, they have to draw up those rules or those punishments uh, in line. So there's, there's consistency. And when they're found of, in breach of it, it, they can implement that punishment straight away, not waiting months or maybe a season down the line when it's all, already gone, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose then kind of lo- looking at that, obviously, um, as we mentioned, obviously, Man City, um, you've got, obviously, Liverpool on, on top, obviously, with 57 points. You've Arsenal second place and 55 points. And, obviously, Man City on 53 points with the game in hand on the two of them. Do you think this season we're going to see maybe, uh, obviously, the trio running, going, challenging for the, the Premier League title, obviously, um, obviously, Liverpool and Arsenal both had kind of comfortable wins yesterday. Um, uh, Liverpool, obviously, in the in the final next weekend against Chelsea, and then obviously City. With to be honest, a very poor performance at home against Chelsea, uh, with Erling Haaland obviously having nine chances and, and not taking one. Yeah, so, so for me, if that's, I wouldn't say that's a Man City poor performance. That's a Haaland poor performance. So yeah. if Man City have created nine chances for Haaland, then. They, they, they should have won. Haaland's just not turned yeah. up to that day. Um, yeah. But if we're going on looking at the title race, I hope, I hope for the excitement of the league, it does go as a three-way title race. Yeah. Um, and everyone sits around and it comes down to maybe like the last couple of games and then on the final game, we still don't know who's won the league. That'd be great. But it's, it's, it's a possibility because Liverpool are, are flying at the moment. Arsenal <laughs> scored 11 goals in two games. Um yeah. And then you've got Man City, who have got an abundance of talent that they will be there and thereabouts by the end of the season, anyway. Um, and they've they've done it. They know they know how to come from behind. They know how to lead the league as well. So I feel like yeah. they, can, they 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 have probably even though they're not top, and even if they win the league, uh, win their game in hand, sorry, they're not top. I feel like for me, they're still the favourites to go on and win that. Because I think Liverpool and Arsenal are likely to drop a few points somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I do agree. I think kind of now when you look at the title race, the the like I, I've said I've said it myself. Like, it's literally you can't have any poor performances now, and it it could come down to literally Liverpool versus Man City and Arsenal versus Man City. Those games could be basically the title deciders. Yep. Um, on who, who finishes it because in those games you need maximum points really realistically because that th- those could be the difference between winning kind of on the last day of the season and obviously losing it due to obviously maybe goal difference as well so even goal difference could be mm-hmm. a big big shout here obviously arsenal since the start of the new year have 21 goals and only two conceded um in in the league which when you if you mentioned that to me before uh, after the Christmas period, I was I was laughing. I was like, "Not a chance. We couldn't even take our chances." <laughs> yeah, well, to be fair, a third of them almost were against West Ham, and well, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah it, you, you say about those games like Arsenal, Man City, and the Liverpool, Man City games, and you're right. If you if you take back the bottom of the league, they always got a relegation six pointer. Yeah, well, that's that's a title six pointer, isn't it? Like you, you, yeah. you can draw drive a massive gap between you and your rivals. Um, and it would just be about who holds their nerve, I think, because everyone has the quality to do it. I think Man City have got more quality because they've got that in reserve, but it will be about who holds their nerve and who picks up those important results that they, as you, as you mentioned in those fixtures. Yeah. Um, I suppose then kind of looking at that, obviously we'll talk about one or two of those teams. So obviously Arsenal, for example, obviously been very good, obviously recently. Um, comparing to, to last season, what I've kind of, thought really is it Arsenal kind of since the turn of the new year look more like the team from the start of last season where they went on that long period of runs they seem to from the from the first minute in matches now compared to earlier in the season they seem to want to get an early goal and get get that kind of drive in um 
which is maybe what obviously that Dubai kind of in uh, winter break kind of gave them that um kind of resurgence in the side and made Arteta think okay maybe I need to bring this style back now for the the second half so because there's less likely to tire um is it the fact obviously you've got Declan Rice probably being in there who's been probably most weeks been at least a seven or an eight out of ten just brings in these quality performance obviously you've got Martin Odegaard who seems to have brought back his best kind of style of football in recent weeks as well is that kind of midfield and obviously the, the defense being very solidarity um look the difference in that team really this season compared to obviously recent seasons yeah I'd say Arsenal I've always thought Arsenal well for many years a, a very fragile team that if you get at them you can go and you can go and get a result but as you as you mentioned there you've got the solid defensive line I think Saliba's possibly the best centre half in the country at the moment um, Odegaard is just incredible like he's just so good on the ball playmaker he's got great vision um, always guaranteed assists and then you've got the man Declan Rice who again I still think he's one of the one of the best if not the best in his position in the world I think he's incredible and he's made a massive difference too as well he, yeah. just, he just he gets the ball but not only does he just break up play he, he can he can drive forward with it He's now your set piece taker. He got two assists last week, um, and obviously scored that worldy. But um, he's 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 just developed his game massively yeah. um, under Arteta and the training and everything that's going on. Um, so yeah, I think you're a lot more solid now. And mm. if one thing that maybe Arsenal were struggling with was maybe potentially scoring goals, I know you haven't really got a number nine, but you're banging in the goals now. So you've got the the best recipe there to achieve success you're not conceding many and you're going to go and score goals so yeah <laughs> and Arteta, Arteta's flying so it'd just be interesting to see if he's still there at the end of the season yeah I think what a good from what I've seen with some Arsenal fans like there are, there are a few kind of who say depending on where we're finishing this season if we're not still in the, the title challenge or we're not far in the Champions League there are some fans who are crying out and saying get rid of them for me <laughs> for me i do think you look at the end of the season you see where we are maybe potentially but i do think he still needs another season maybe to see because obviously i think you were one or two players short of a, a consistently probably team kind of winning winning trophies potentially like mm-hmm. you throw in say a big striker um, in there, and or you throw, and uh, and maybe another midfielder. Um, I think that Arsenal team is pretty much sorted. Like you've got obviously Julian Timber, who's been a big loss this season. True. Probably, yeah. Um, like he showed in his first few games for us that he was per- he was he was sorted in that position. Like he he fitted in perfectly into the team, and obviously to lose him to an ACL this season was. So 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 sad, but obviously mm-hmm. he could be back now in the next week or two as well for the Champions League, which would be fantastic to see him back. Obviously, kind of earlier than expected, um, but yeah, it, it, there is a few probably p- were w- a few players short, and I think when it comes to the summer, I think Arsenal will probably solve those kind of players with obviously looking at some of the strikers we're being linked with, obviously for the transfer window. Yeah, it's um, first of all the discontent towards Arteta. It baffles me. It really yeah. does. I know a load of people say the same about West Ham fans with Moyes, but it really does baffle me because yeah, you're competing at the top of the league, um, and he's he's made steady progress every season. And when you with the competing at the top of the league, you're competing against Man City, which have been, if not the best Premier League team we've ever seen. Yeah, you know, yeah. so you're competing at the top. Um, Champions League is always going to be hard to win the Champions League or go through that. You're playing against the best teams again. Um, but as you say, if you maybe nail down a, a number nine, I think Ossenhem would be perfect for you lot. Like He likes to press. He never stops running. So he can, he can implement that high-intensity press that you guys like to do. Yeah. Um, and then you've got to say you've got Timber coming back. Who's a, does he play centre half or right back for you lot? When he can he play. He, got, he was playing left back, I think. Oh, was the, he? Starting, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I thought I thought he was more more of a right back, but yeah. Again, he's he's a quality player. So maybe 
if he were to play right back, maybe you'd then look to sign another left back. So I think that's probably another weak spot for you lot. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think you've, you've definitely got a very good, very, very good team and they're all young. Like they've got so much, like Odegaard's what, 25? Yeah, about that. So yeah, he, that like, he's not even yeah. hit his prime yet. Dex yeah. 24, he's not hit his prime. Saka's 22, 23. Like, you, you've got such a good core of players there that could, you could build around and just bring in a couple of other decent quality. Then you're definitely pushing towards the top. Um, It'd it just be then if you've got the strength and depth across yeah. the board. Because I like, think... You sign up players like Havertz, so I, just, I still don't understand that signing for me. <laughs> yeah, I think... From the previous few games, looking at it, I, I can see why we've signed Havertz. I can see. I don't. I don't know what it is, but he seems to be in that position where he's bring. He's move around. Move moves around the pitch, and like yesterday, he had two or three pre-assists to the assist for goals. So he seems mm-hmm. to be involved a lot in, in the thing. I still don't agree with the signing of him when I thought we could have brought in someone like a kudos instead Yeah, when we were being linked with him or, or or someone that I thought would have made a big difference. But I'm starting to see some signs of why Arteta has brought him in. Um, yeah. I still don't think he is a starting player in that side. I think he's more someone you bring off the bench, maybe a as an alternative if if the game isn't going your way um to to change the match but yeah it is it is it is mad to to think like that i'm starting to see some signs of what happens is but he seems to be the one player that's talked about every single week whether it's a good performance or a bad performance straight away it's how did kai havertz play this week yeah, I think that's because you spent a lot of money on him. Yeah. Um, obviously, from his Bayer Leverkusen days, he, he scored goals and he got yeah. a lot of assists and stuff like that. Maybe his role's changed at, at Arsenal. I know he's not probably isn't playing as as forward as he was at Bayer Leverkusen. Um, yeah, but like you watch Arsenal a lot more than I do, so you'll see those like pre-assists and him po- picking up pockets of spaces in games that aren't highlighted on match of the day or the stats don't show. So, as you say, if you're you're starting to see that, then maybe. The signing was justified, but I, yeah. I can't comment because I don't watch Arsenal enough to say. Yeah, no, and, and I suppose then the, the other question I have is obviously on the, the league, uh, like uh, as we've mentioned th- throughout this episode, obviously there's a lot of injuries in, in the league. Um, yeah. And it, it seems to be a big problem in football, I think, this season with, with a lot of teams. Like you look at Newcastle, um, for example, had major injury crisis at one stage. Obviously, Liverpool look like they're going through an injury crisis before the final. Like they had three players go off injured. Obviously, in Darwin Nunes, uh, Diego Jota, and uh, Curtis Jones. Obviously, yesterday. Um, obviously, it seems to be a massive problem. We have a few injuries even at Arsenal, and obviously the likes of Paqueta for for West Ham. What's do you think's the big cause, obviously, of injuries? Is it the amount of the fixture congestion, maybe, since obviously the World Cup last year, the way everything kind of just piled on top of each other? Like we're seeing more ACL injuries, I think, this this year that than kind of I've I've ever seen probably in previous seasons. Like you mm-hmm. look at Real Madrid, for example, I think they've had three ACL injuries in their squad this season. Yeah, I'd say I think. When it comes to injuries, there's so many variables that you have to take into account, of course. Yeah. Um, but one of, one of the main ones would be fix, fixture congestion. Of course, they, like, they're top athletes. They play, okay, so they're, yeah, they're strong. Their muscles are used to it. That's the argument people give. And they want this so much money that they should be able to play three games in a week. But their muscles are, are playing at the top level. So they're having to work and overwork and overload their muscles. So when you're playing more and more games, of course your muscles are going to, to go. Like if it's a muscular injury or like tendons and stuff like that, I can understand that you can use the fixture congestion as a, as a, as a reason for that. Um, I, I actually, you, you told me you're going to ask this question and I looked and there's someone did a study in 2018, 19, and it showed that 40% of injuries over the winter period was in the premier league over the, um, this was out of the premier league, league, La Liga and Bundesliga. 40% of them were injured. And that, that that shows that, for me, fixture congestion, because obviously we play through Christmas yeah. period and they all have that nice break in between. 
Um, so fixture congestion is definitely going to be up there. But obviously, then you've got to look at the facilities of the training grounds and uh, their rehab centres or whatever they have and the physios, the staff. And there's so many things you've got to take into account. But yeah, fixture congestion has got to be one of them. Definitely. Yeah. Well, that, that, I think that's that. when I looked at yesterday, when Arsenal played, obviously, Burnley, um, the one thing I, I did like, obviously, at, at about 60 minutes, Arsenal took off three or four of their, their main players, literally, mm-hmm. for Porto, because they know they literally they play in Burnley, they've secured the three points, so yep. take our best players off, so they can get that rest ready for, obviously, a crucial tie in the thing. And I think what Man City, I think, especially do, for example, is Pep rotates his squad yeah. massively. Like, he doesn't have many major injuries. No, um, no, yeah, because, right. because he rotates his squad. Like, one week, Kevin De Bruyne, like last week against Everton, De Bruyne didn't start. Um, and then he's playing, obviously, starting the Champions League this week. And then, obviously, uh, Bernardo Silva started on the bench yesterday. So he's trying to rotate his players to make sure that they have them for the rest of the season because it's 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 their important thing. And I think that's what it comes down to now, what we're seeing. Obviously, Klopp now obviously is struggling for players before their the Carabao Cup final because players are getting such easy knocks. Like, Diogo Jota doesn't... His injury doesn't look great. Like, that it looks like it, he could be out for a lengthy period. Obviously, Darwin Nunez was more precautionary for them. But we're seeing now in teams that a lot of them are trying to be proactive with obviously taking players off when they know they could pick up something easily. Yeah, I think it makes sense to do that, doesn't it? If you've, if you've secured the result, first of all, definitely take off your players that you know are either overworked because they've got the sports science in there so they'll know how many minutes they should be playing or whatever. Um, or you, you look ahead to the next three or four games. You might have even picked your team that you want yeah. to be playing five games down the line. So you can yeah. look like if that, and that's what teams need to be doing because they are playing a lot of games, especially the top teams and teams in Europe where they're playing uh, three games a week for two, three months in a row. That they're, they're yeah. playing so many games, so you've got to look ahead like that. Um, actually, talking about that, I was quite frustrating last week. We were six nil down or four or five nil down, and Bowen's still on the pitch. Yeah, like, he's just come back from an injury. The game's lost. Take him off. So you can look at it both ways. If you're winning, if you're getting battered, just take off your players. <laughs> One more yeah. goal is not actually going to make that much difference. No, so. no, no, no. <laughs> I do agree with that. I do think that that's what you have have to manage. And I think, as you mentioned, like obviously with European football, when you look to next season, the the Champions League and the Europa League and that, they're all changing kind of structure. Yeah, it's going to the kind of like a league format now. I thought, no, I thought they were scrapping that. I thought that was getting scrapped. No, apparently it's it's got it's going to happen next season. So yeah, which is an extra two games in the Champions yeah. League, isn't it? Yeah, and it's all in this this new league format, which is going to be a disaster because of course it's just going to be lead to more fixture congestion, which potentially could lead to more injuries. So now all these like squads are going to need bigger squads, literally just to manage Look, all. It the, makes the it unfair games. anyway because it's 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 all the fixtures will be generated. I'm guessing by seeding and stuff like that. Yeah. Which, okay. Yeah. I know that's how the group stages are. They're done by seeding, but you could still end up with like playing like third seeds that should be technically like second or first seeds. And then you end up with a team that you could end up playing like a load of hard teams rather than having that like, even playing field in the group stages. I just, I don't like the format, but again, fixture congestion and all it, it's just for more money, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's it. It's that's it. All it's for. They don't care about the players that are playing the game. They just care about the money they can yeah. make from it. Yeah, and this, this is typical. This is typical of UEFA anyway. Constantly kind of changing things to to suit themselves and generate more more income um, for for their own benefit. And I think in the long run, I do think a lot of clubs will break out. And I do think it's only a matter of time before we do have the situation of let's create our own super league. Um, I, I do think that will come back into talking like at some stage. Oh yeah, 100% not. it will come back. Um, because I think even a lot of clubs are unhappy with the the Champions League format going forward. It's it's not sustainable, I, I think. But who voted for it? 
Who votes? <sighs> was it was it put to clubs or was it just voted by the UEFA officials? I think this was voted <laughs> UEFA. I think. Yeah. I don't think it was even put forward to clubs because I think I think I've seen even some clubs come out and saying that this new format is isn't isn't acceptable. It's um, just gone forward. It's it's just ridiculous. UEFA just don't, they don't care about the welfare of the players or anything like that. Yeah. It's just they, they say like, fix the congestion, then you've got then you've got to get to the games. You've got to get back to the <laughs> like, and and you've got even just the international breaks. There's so many international oh, breaks as well. Them. Like friendlies are the most pointless thing ever. You don't. Oh. Why do they need friendlies? You don't need them. You like the teams that get into the, the end competitions, into the World Cup and the Euros. They 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 get there every time. They're the same teams they get through. So they yeah. can pra- they can decide on their best team, or they can tinker with tactics a little bit in the in the qualifiers because they always finish top. Like no one else gets in there, and then you go and play friendlies, and then you have got the Nations yeah. League, and it's like what? <laughs> What's going on? It's too on? much. It's, it's as honestly too much. I I I've I've said this many times myself. Is I hate the international break. It's the worst time in yeah. football. I just. I don't even watch many games. Like I might watch when there's like a really good game between two national teams in mm-hmm. in a competition, but most of the time I just tune out of it because yeah. I just find it the most boring mm-hmm. time thing. And you can nearly predict the results in in mm-hmm. most of the games as well. So you don't even want to watch it because you're like, oh well, this team's gonna win because they're yeah. much superior. And like you've got, say for example, you've got. England playing San Marino, so <laughs> and you know they're going to yeah. batter them. So you've got a, a say a really kind of under par side playing. You've got like second or third choice goalkeeper starting in goals and second or tr- choice defender, you know, and you know they're going to still probably put ten or twelve past them in the, in the game. Yeah, I, to be honest, I'm the same as you. I find international football boring. I hate it when the international break comes along. Um, I don't watch England now unless it's World Cup or the Euros. I, I watch yeah. them in the competitions because it's make or break. It's it's free. It's free games. And then it's knockout. So it's it's exciting. But again, like you say, I'm watching England play Andorra, San Marino, Macedonia. Like and we're, we're smashing them every week. Yeah. And it's just, what what is the point? I mean, for Ireland, it might be a bit more exciting for you lot, but. <laughs> <laughs> but not for England. I, I prefer I prefer watching Wales to be honest because I know Wales will actually do something. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose then, kind of looking obviously in the league, then as well, you've got obviously we were talking about the the top half of the table, but obviously the the bottom half is it, it seems to be entertaining to an extent as well. Obviously, you had. Wolves who kind of are close to breaking into the the top <laughs> half and and always seem to be there and thereabouts. Obviously, beating Spurs yesterday, who Spurs just seem to be hot and cold all season, pretty much under uh, and who who can't seem to do anything wrong. Um, mm-hmm. every, every every fan loves him. Um, but then kind of the 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 bottom end, you've got obviously Sheffield United and Burnley, who just seem like a team that just teams that will not get out of that. That bottom three, they obviously Burnley yesterday were, in my opinion, it's one of the worst performances I've seen from a Premier League side. Um, when they've kind of been bigged up this season from obviously in the Championship getting over a hundred points, mm-hmm. um, and they've come up to the Premier League and does not seem to be working. What's kind of been your opinion of obviously on the two really? Um, yeah, I, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head with Burnley. I just feel like they came up, there's massive talk about them being, they're going to stay up comfortably. And to be honest, I thought they would because I thought their football suited the Premier League, the way they were playing and stuff like that. But they just haven't been able to compete at all. Um, they've got a load of young players in there. So they've got a lot of potential that possibly if they keep hold of them, they'll come back up and they'll be stronger next year. But for me, Burnley are gone. Um, I'm surprised actually they haven't sat company. Uh, yeah, I, only because of how cutthroat football is these days. Not because I think he deserves to go. I think he's doing all he can and probably doing as well as he can. And Burnley are probably where they should be. Um, but I'm surprised he hasn't been sacked. Sheffield United, they are atrocious. Um, but getting Chrissy Wilder in, who will give them a bit more of a fight and a bit more uh, dogged spirit and stuff like that that they were missing. Who knows if they can pull through but I, I think both of them are gone for sure yeah 
Um, and then looking at kind of some of the other sides, you obviously have Everton with the points deduction. You have Luton then just above them and Palace. I suppose kind of where's kind of your cut-off point of obviously the teams who potentially could go down? Like for me, I think up down as far as 14th is probably safe. I think it's between Forest, Palace, Luton and Everton probably for, for the next spot you're probably looking at because I think... You like to Brentford, they've got Ivan Tony back, who's probably a, a big plus for them because, you know, you're bound to get goals with him. Obviously, Bournemouth seem to just be pulling results when they need to as well. Yeah, um, what I would say down from Brentford, um, only because Brentford are only a point above uh, Forest and Palace. But as yeah. you said, they, they have got Ivan Tony back now. They, they didn't have him and he's, he's firing on all cylinders. Um, so I think they'll have they'll have enough about them to get up. But looking at the points of the league, um, Brentford are still in in and around it. But I think they'll be fine. Um, yeah. For me, yeah, it is Nottingham Forest, Palace, Luton, and Everton fighting it out to stay up. And I'm I'm, I'm personally hoping Luton stay up. Um, it would be a nice story, especially they've seemed to have a bit of resurgence since the whole Tom Lockyer um, yeah. stuff that went on. It's like they're fighting for him as well. Um, but yeah, I think I think Palace might go, you know. Yeah, um, I think uh, Hodgson's Hodgson's gone now because obviously he went into hospital and they brought someone in. But whether he changes the um, changes how Palace play, but I just don't see them getting enough goals. No, I, and I I think I think Palace are in trouble. Obviously, Mark Gahey be, is out injured for them at the moment. It's a big loss, obviously, in that defense. But I do agree. I think when you look at Palace, kind of lately, they just don't look strong enough really and mm -hmm. obviously Roy Hodgson I think was kept on it too long really when you look at that squad um, and in the long run obviously the longer you've got maybe that management in there um, it's not going to be successful for them and I think the club obviously the fans are crying out for the club to change things across the board. There seems to be that falling out between the fans and, and the board, really. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't say I followed Palace enough to um, make too many comments, but I do know that they, like, they've got like Eze and Lise, which they should be building their team around. Yeah, They're both very, very good players. Um, and they've got some solid players. Like, like you say, you've got Gerhi, Mitchell, and um, is it Anderson, their centre half? I think they've, they've yeah. got those five that are, are very solid players that they could build their team around. Um, but they are, it, it's, it's another one where they've, they've been playing a bit, um, I want to say old old style football, where it's just a bit, it's not really fitting the, the um, ethos of football at the moment. And they're not able to get enough points on the board. And especially, again, not get enough um, goals. I mean, their goal difference is minus 16. Yeah, um, which is worse yeah. than everyone down there, apart from Burnley and Sheffield United. Um, and they scored twenty-seven goals. They're just not scoring enough goals at the moment. Yeah, no, no, it, it, it is. And to be honest, I, I I don't think they'll stay up. When I look at the kind of some of the other teams, just looking at their form, really, I think potential. Potential. I think Everton and Luton might might get above them, really, in the table. I think that the two of them look more likely to get something but then again you know obviously if 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 Hodgson does go before the end of the season and a new manager comes in they might get that resurgence to to obviously avoid the relegation and you obviously have Forrest as well who obviously up until recently got their first win in in I think five or six games yeah so, first first win in six I think I yeah <laughs> yeah um so it'd be interesting to see obviously where where they are as well come end of the season um and if Nuno Espirito Santo um can make the difference there they obviously as well brought in it was announced yesterday they've brought in Mark Clattenburg in a um an analysis referee analysis, <laughs> referee analysis role which is something I I couldn't stop laughing about you know I just don't, I don't understand how that's going to help the team because all that's going to say to Espirito Santo, Santo sorry, is um, that yeah that referee made a mistake there or whatever. It's not going to make the team get any more points. Yeah, <laughs> it just yeah. doesn't make sense to me. Ah, oh, it's just it, it's funny. It's funny uh, watching these these stuff in football being announced. But uh, the the other question I had for you, which uh, I only thought of, is obviously the blue card, which was uh, 
potentially coming yeah. in, obviously, and announced. What's your opinion on this this blue card rule? <laughs> Do you know, I think personally, I think it's ridiculous um, at this level at the Premier yeah. League. I think again, it's just, just just changing. They're just trying to change the game, and they just keep making it worse. Now, I can understand the side of it because actually, a yellow card it doesn't really impact the game too much, apart from it might not put a player in make player do a foul or something like that yeah but where you play I've, I've seen it in sunday league where you get a descent yellow card and you're off for 10 minutes and it can it can make a difference to the game because you're playing against 10 men for 10 minutes but it's the premier league it's it's the top league the top leagues it's just, just keep it the same stop changing the rules yeah. it's ridiculous yeah I, I i agree i don't i don't i don't understand this this rule i don't think it's going to make a difference and then the biggest flaw in the rule that rule i mentioned last week was what happens with a goalkeeper? <laughs> you give a blue card to a goalkeeper, he's going to go off for 10 minutes. You have to I bring actually on read, a... that, I read that. I think if it's the goalkeeper, I don't know if if maybe I'm getting my things confused, what I read or whatever, that if it's the goalkeeper, they can choose to sub the goalie off completely or they have to put an outfall player in goal for those 10 minutes. <laughs> I, might be, I, I might have yeah. confused two stories here. I don't yeah. know. But yeah. like, it's just... Oh, it's... I don't agree with it. I think they're trying to do. They're trying to help the referees more than anything. Like even when they know the referees are wrong, oh, if a player shouting at you, just give him a blue card and he'll go off the pitch. That'll sort solve all your problems. When I think the biggest thing here in football nowadays, when you watch it, the referees are the biggest problem here like the yeah. referees can't control a game the referees are protected too much i think especially when watching it on tv we i would rather them bring in the communication between the referee and the var box on decisions i'd rather them bring it in that's the first thing i think that needs to be brought in that we can listen and clearly hear what's going on and why a decision's being made rather than them four or five weeks after the decision's been made to say, oh yeah, we're going to release this audio to you when it means no difference yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I would scrap VAR straight away, but it's it's, it's not going anywhere. So yeah. again, yeah, the the communication, has, the communication should be released there and then at real time. And I actually think they have spoke about they're going to do that in the stadiums from next season. I'm sure I see that. I might yeah. be wrong again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I saw that, which which is that's that's a good start if they're going to keep VAR, but they need to give the referee, the on pitch referee, more um, responsibility, like you say. Yeah, um, they're now relying on VAR to make the decision for them. Yeah, when the VAR are miles away, they don't understand. They can't pick up the the um, atmosphere of the game and what it's like and all that sort of thing. And because the refs in game are relying on VAR. They're now not as skilled as what they should be. They're yeah. not actually competent to referee at the top level or in yeah. the championship. I've seen some of the decisions in the championship ridiculous, like giving up penalties and the players nowhere near him. Yeah, and it's just across the board the referees, the um, FA, whoever runs the training for the Premier League, um, mm. and then all the referees needs um, needs revamping definitely exactly exactly and i think kind of you've set the nail on the head like the, the this standard of referee and across the board in all kind of leagues even below it just doesn't seem sustainable as a, as a kind of model and referees don't have to take any liability in the decision no. because they don't come out and they don't speak to the media after the game they which they, they should which yeah they should be they sh they should come out and they should be able to speak like they get protected so much um like they've got the likes of michael owen and, and that kind of tweeting because he's best friends with howard webb and that you know it's it's shambolic really this this whole model of refereeing in 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 england when these are professionally played guys who are on salaries compared to say other leagues where it's a part-time job for them Mm -hmm. And some of them still do a better job, which is why, like, half the time you don't see English referees, many English referees go to a tournament because the, even European clubs and UEFA concede that the standard of refereeing for England isn't great. Yeah, no, it's 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 actually quite embarrassing when you see some of the decisions that are, that are given. And, and if they come out 
and uh, after the game, and they even just explain why they gave that decision, whether they think it's right or wrong. Still, explain yeah. it. We might have a better understanding of why they gave that, or we will still be annoyed at them. Um, yeah. But you know, it, they they should be held accountable for their decisions, good and bad. Yeah. Like we should be praising them when they make good decisions, but they are so far and few between now. You don't yeah. you don't see many good decisions anymore. And and, and the, the one thing that pisses me off is I have to listen to the likes of Dermot Gallagher and Howard Webb defending <laughs> all these referees 24-7 yeah. when you can clearly see it's a mistake and they're like, oh yeah, but he, he went for that decision because this and that. And I'm just like, no, he did the wrong decision. You can clearly see if you look at the rule book, he did the wrong decision. <laughs> yeah, and then they come out, like they released a statement like two days later. Our decision was wrong, but that's... Don't help the team that have just lost three points now, because that could be the difference between them yeah. being staying up or getting relegated. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so um, it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see if anything changes. I don't think much will change. Obviously, there might be stuff that will be brought in, and which hopefully might benefit fans going forward. Which fingers crossed it does. And obviously, with these potentials, obviously stadium announcements and stuff like that may, might help improve the game. But I do think referees need to be taking more liability because punishment even for them is you get one week we'll send you down to the championship for a week and then you'll come yeah. back and you'll referee the, the Premier League next next week well I think I said like a few maybe a couple of years ago I think it was on the podcast that um they should do like a league table of the Premier of the league of the referees so you've got your Premier League referees your championship referees etc yeah get, they work out some sort of scoring system um, and the top three referees get promoted and the bottom three get relegated every year. So yeah. they're not just going, oh, we're, we're missing out on one game. Because um, yeah. it might make them want to, obviously it's going to make them want to perform because then they can all want to get, they all want to get to the Premier League. They can see a, a fair route into it if they do a good job. And the team play, refs in the Premier League are going, well, I've got to perform because at the end of the season, I might get relegated into the Championship for the year. Yeah, I do agree with that. Um and I think that format would probably would benefit the league, I think, going forward, especially with keeping the, the standard of, of, of football at, at the highest level you can. Um, I suppose kind of we've covered quite a lot today. Um, <laughs> and I think kind of this hat, we're into the, the fun fun part of, uh, of the season now with, um, the business end, as they say. Yeah, the business <laughs> end with Champions League football returning. Obviously, um, you've got obviously European football's back. Entertaining football um, up until the end of the season. There doesn't seem to be obviously. That I think there's two international breaks uh, up until the end of the season. So plenty of football um, to watch up uh, separate from the obviously the international football yeah. uh, most weeks. Um, and I'm sure you've got plenty of games to go to the, for the rest of the season. Hopefully, West Ham will will improve for the better, and maybe David Moyes will be gone before the uh, end of the season. Please don't make me get happy. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see it happening, though. I can't see it happening. But who, who knows? Who knows what might happen? No, no, no. I, I do agree. I, I do think he needs to go anyway. Um, but thanks so much again, Jimmy, for jumping on. It's always great to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me again, mate, and um, any time. No, <laughs> no, cheers. Um, obviously, for all our listeners, thanks again for, for listening to this episode. It's great to have you, obviously, listening in. Um, we'll, we'll be taking a, a week's break while I go back to Ireland for a week, um, but we'll be back in two weeks' time with a, a brand-new episode, obviously, of the podcast. But uh, don't forget to like and subscribe for more. But until next time, I've been Keen Samuel Mart. This has been What A Hit, Son. <laughs>